What's going on, all you beautiful people? And welcome to episode 28 of the Mental Dive Podcast, to retalk anything and everything sports psychology and mental performance. I'm your host, Taylor Staden. Wow, I am fired up, and I'll tell you why. This past week, I was officially accepted into a master's program at the University of Thessaly in Tricali, Greece. Um, as part of this opportunity, I'll also get to study at uh, Leipzig University for a semester. Um, so I'm really, really excited. I'm very privileged, and I recognize the opportunity that has been given to me. And ultimately, it just feels really, really good to have hard work pay off. So thank you to everybody who's helped me get to this point, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for me. And I guess I should have mentioned this earlier, uh, I will be studying sport and exercise psychology in case that is a surprise to anybody listening. <laughs> Anyways, so the real reason why I'm sure you're all tuning into the podcast today is to listen to the fantastic conversation I had with Jen Siling. Jen is a Olympian. She competed for Team Canada at the 2008 Beijing Olympics with the national softball team. And she was set to compete at the 2020 Olympics this year in Tokyo before it was postponed uh, to 2021 due to the coronavirus. So throughout the course of the podcast, me and Jen chat about why mental skills are so important to being an Olympian and how they help her with her training and to reach her peak potential, why it's really important to be all in on everything you do, as well as her mindset of staying productive during this uh, tough time with coronavirus and how she is staying on track to help Canada hopefully win a medal next year in 2021. So without further ado, let's get into the dive. So you wake up in the morning of 2016 and you're just scrolling through Twitter, going about your day, and you see that softball is back at the Olympics for 2020. What's going through your mind and how has your mindset shifted since that's happened? I see that softball is back. Um, I saw it back in 2016. I was at my parents' house in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, and I was lying in bed in the morning and I roll over and I see on Twitter from a tweet from the WBSC saying that the Olympics have been reinstated. Um, I started graduate school in 2015 and my degree was for two years. So it was right in the middle of my graduate degree. Um, and prior to seeing it officially being reinstated, I had been debating back and forth on whether I should just you know, kind of hang hang them up and pursue my coaching career, or just continue playing, right? And I was I was having a hard time, like trying to really figure out why I was still playing because I, for me, like especially as like a high performing athlete, the one thing that you strive for, if you can, is to pursue the Olympics. And at that point, you know, there was there was no Olympics, so I was like having a hard time like figuring out like why I'm still playing, right? So when I pursued my graduate degree, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to start, you know, continuing, you know, get going with my college coaching career because I absolutely love developing. I love coaching. I love educating. I love teaching. And um, then boom, you know, Olympics are back in. So I'm like, okay, like, what do I, what do I do here, right? And I, 2017 rolls along and I had a really, really tough summer performance-wise. My worst summers offensively um so our head coach and I sat down at the end of our last trip and that was in Japan and he was pretty much like it was a hard it was a tough conversation he was like if you really want to pursue this Olympic thing then you know like I highly suggest that like you figure it out like what is this going to look like um and honestly 
following that conversation, it was like any, it was an, it became a no brainer. There was no more debating. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. If I have another shot to potentially be a veteran in 2020, as opposed to a rookie in 2008, then I'm absolutely going to give this go hundred percent all in. And ever since the fall of 2017, following that conversation, um, I've been full-time training. Mm-hmm. So I guess that conversation with your coach was kind of your hinge moment. That was when you said to yourself, okay, this is something I really need to commit to. And this is something that mm-hmm. I truly do want to pursue because it speaks a lot to the, how much, how passionate you are when you talk about um, training to be a high performance athlete, even though there's no, you know, long-term kind of goal in sight with the Olympics, you know, like you said, that's kind of the upper echelon of what you want to do. So once you're mm-hmm. kind of, once you're given that target, you know, and you, you do have to really commit. And I mean, now that I think about it, I just, I just don't know how you could pass up that opportunity because if you, if you're putting in the training, you're putting in the, you know, blood, sweat and tears and you're doing all that. And then that's, that's brought back to me, you know, I'm, I'm not you and you can make your own decisions, but that, to me, I'd agree. That is a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the blood, sweat, and tears, it's been, you know, I've been in it for a long period of time since 2008, but to say I've been training since 2008, the same way, like I'm training now from like 2017 to now, it's, that's not true. Right. So it's kind of like the, I wasn't on like a super strict strength and conditioning program. There was not a whole lot of structure going on. And it was just kind of like, well, like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. You know? So for me, like, if I'm doing something, I'm doing it to like the utmost professionalism, the utmost degree. And preparation to me is super, super, super important. And I take so much pride in it. So my, my, my playing preparation was slowly shifting, right? Then I entered into graduate school. And I was like, all right, well, even it's starting to shift even more because now my passion is going into college coaching and what that could look like. And then, like, like you said, they were reinstated. It was like, okay, well, now I, from learning what I learned in 2008 from the veterans, it, it's a full-time job. It's a full-time do- job to train like a complete professional athlete. And they showed me that. So I wanted to honestly just take what I learned from 2008 and apply it as soon as I possibly could. And that was in 2017. Mm -hmm. So in saying that, what do you think are some of the bigger lessons you've learned from being in the Olympic games in Beijing 2008? I've learned how to take ownership of an Olympic journey and what that looks like. And as I said before, it's, it's, it's a full-time job to be a professional athlete. You don't just do it because it's convenient or you don't just like, it's not something you go through the motions with. It takes a lot of maintenance mentally and physically. And I've just, I've learned that like since 08, it takes a lot of preparation and a lot of time and a lot of energy to be able to compete at the highest level. And I have, you know, pretty high expectations and standards of what my preparation looks like. And um, I, I've got to be all in doing it. I'm not good at like balancing a bunch of different things all at once. Cause I just feel like, especially performance wise, it's, it starts to take a hit. 
No, absolutely. And, you know, it sounds like you take everything you do in life very seriously, you know, from just the short mm-hmm. conversation we've had so far, you know, through seeing what you post on social media, it seems like when you take on a task, you do it very meaningfully and purposefully. And in saying that, what do you believe has allowed you to develop your mindset around everything you do, doing it with purpose and doing it with intent? Mm-hmm. My um, definitely comes from my parents, first and foremost. Um, my parents are super, um, super intentional, um, very much live your life the right way and do right by people. Um, and if you're going to do it, you're doing it, you're all in, right? And once you make a decision to do it, once you make a commitment to do it, you see that commitment through. Um, so just my parents have shown my brother and I just the true meaning of work ethic and commitment and what it means to invest in whatever decision that you just, whatever decision that you make or whatever it is that you're choosing to do. And then past that, my university of Washington um, head coach, Heather Tarr, she's like one of my biggest role models to this day. Like she's, she essentially was like an extension of what my parents taught me. She just took it to like a whole new level as a softball player. Um, but it's cool because all that she taught us and me, like all of the core values are not just like softball related. It's truly like it's lifelong learning. It's, mm-hmm. it's the things that you take for the rest of your life to be the best person you possibly can be in society. So I don't know. I've been really fortunate to be around some pretty awesome people that have taught me a lot and be able to like have an opportunity especially like with softball canada and just even through the mpf and different things i've done through the sport to like carry on the things that i've been taught and that's my goal moving forward is just to keep passing the information along keep educating and just keep helping keep serving keep growing based off of the experiences that i've had in my life Mm -hmm. and i feel like mindfulness relates uh very well to this whole idea too in terms of, you know, everything you do in life, you're doing it with purpose, you're giving your full energy and attention and focus to what you're doing. Is mindfulness maybe a skill that you've worked on yourself? Or in, if, if it isn't, what are maybe some mental skills that you have found are very prominent to, you know, your preparation and your, your day to day? Yeah, we, we've talked a you know, a fair bit about mindfulness within our softball, softball Canada program. Um, I would say the one thing that we're really into um, right now is we're discussing a lot about visualization and um, especially right now, what, what it can do for you when you're actually, when you're not able to have access to equipment and, you know, the, all of the things, right? So um, it's the best way to practice. Um, so right now there's a lot of talk about visualization, which um, I'm learning a lot about, and I'm starting to appreciate more and more and more. Um, the other thing I would say is we've, um, since 2008, I've read a book called Heads Up Baseball. So the author is Ken Revisa, and he, um, he actually just passed away a couple years ago, sadly, but he's like a mental performance guru. Absolutely love the guy to death. He essentially built my foundation from a mental skills standpoint. Um, and we worked with him in 2008 with the Canadian Olympic team. Then, um, he was our mental performance coach. 
then we worked with him also while I was at the University of Washington and we're actually still reading his book again within our um, Olympic journey right now. And he just essentially built my foundation of mental skills, right? So a lot of it was um, revolved around breathing. A lot of it is revolved around building pre-game, pre-game, post-game routines, um, focal points, um, how that can be used as a good, good release when feeling negative emotion and tension, um, just different skills and strategies that we're able to go to in game and even in life to be able to perform at our best when our best is required. Um, but yeah, heads up baseball is, is, has been absolute, absolute game changer for me. Well, you know what? You may have just given me my next book to read because I'm almost finished The Confidence Gap and I've been looking to order another book. So thank you a ton, Jen. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Heads Up Baseball is pretty, um, it's geared as somebody that's super like passionate about mental performance. It can be easily applied to life. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You know, I love that you brought mm -hmm. up uh, that you've been working on visualization because visualization imagery it's very fascinating in the sense where it's an incredible tool for all athletes to use, but it's one that I've found a lot of mental performance consultants and coaches preach to injured athletes because with injured mm. athletes, you can't perform in your sport, but you can still go through the mental reps. So in that way, when you come mm. back from injury, there's less lag. But the relation mm -hmm. here though with COVID is that we're not necessarily injured, but we've been stripped away of a lot of, you know, the, the accessibility of, you know, our, our fields, our training facilities, our rinks, you know, whatever sport you play. And that's something that I've been preaching mm -hmm. to some of the athletes I've been speaking with in terms of, okay, so, you know, you don't have these resources right now and that sucks, but you can't do anything about it. What can you do? And imagery and visualization is something that you can do before bed. You can do it, you know, for whenever really. And mm -hmm. I just feel like that is, that's something that a lot of athletes should be taking advantage of right now because we do have to really maximize, yeah. you know, with the tools we have. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I haven't, um, I haven't been like in the past, like early on in my sophomore career, I wouldn't say I was like a huge visualizer specifically. Like I love to visualize the like movement, right? Like, so whether it's like fielding a ground ball and like the act of like throwing it mm -hmm. or like swinging, I, I love visualizing, like executing, the sequence of movements, but I haven't always visualized like results and outcomes. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's been cool to really like visualize the whole process and almost honestly kind of eliminate thinking too much about the movement and focus more so on the outcome. Um, because it like genuinely feels like at times when I feel like I'm doing it correctly, like, I feel like I'm practicing, like, it's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, wow, like, it's like, it's legitimately like, you're like at the softball field, like just practicing, like you got a bat, a ball and a glove in your hand right now. Like it, the more real you're able to make it and the, the better that you get at it, it does feel like practice. Oh no, hundred percent. You know, if we can incorporate all five of our senses into, you know, our, our visualization or imagery practices, it's never going to replace doing the actual movement, but if we can get it as similar as possible, we can kind of trick our brains and make it think that we're practicing movement. Mm -hmm. So that when we actually do it, um, you know, there's less leg, but what else is really cool about imagery and visualization 
is that we can practice skills and put ourselves in events and situations we've never actually been in before. So if those situations ever arise, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've been there, but we haven't. I don't know. I, right. I, I, I might be a little biased. I think imagery and visualization is like really cool, like huge nerd for this kind of stuff. But um, no, I, I think it's mm-hmm. incredible, honestly. Yeah, a lot of stuff that we're reading too to kind of um, piggyback off your point, the importance of visualizing, you know, not always successful outcomes, right? So you can put yourself in situations before they arise. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do talk a lot about that, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been cool to kind of tap into it. Wade Gilbert, our mental performance coach, he's a professor at Fresno State, works with so many um, professional teams of all sports. He's absolutely incredible. Um, smart, smart guy has um, really opened my eyes up and our team's eyes up to just brain priming and like the important of visual, uh, the importance of visual visualization and just what it can do for like overall performance, like reading all these books about like MLB guys that just have completely bought into the visualization process. It's, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. One quote that I've noticed, um, you know, I was looking at your profile, you listed your favorite quote as without struggle, there's no progress. What does that quote mean to you and how does that maybe help guide, guide your values and your daily actions to being a high-level athlete? Yeah, I, um, I actually have that tattooed on my body. Oh, I didn't know that actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's really like the quote then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, um, I just feel like that's a step to building, that's a step to building mental toughness and um, resilience. I think... Um, you have to go through things in your life where you're completely tested and challenged um, to see how you're going to respond. Um, and my mom, like truly to this day, I think is one of the strongest people I've ever met in my entire life. And I think my brother and I's um, like inner strength for sure comes from her. She's just always taught us like, no matter, no matter what happens in life, like just, if you get knocked down, you better keep going. If you get knocked down, you better keep going. It's all about how you choose to respond. And for me, I just, I do feel like I've always like had the personality to where like, I love challenges and they're fun for me. Cause it's always like, it's forcing you to respond in a way that you're not necessarily comfortable with responding. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I, I just, the easy route's boring. like it just you know like why it's just it's so it's fun for me to consistently be challenged and I feel like if you're not if you're not experiencing struggles then how how are you going to get stronger oh well well, the way I kind of like to frame adversity and why we have to put ourselves outside of our comfort zone is I say to athletes okay when you go to the gym what happens when you when you lift weights Oh, well, you know, you, you get micro tears in your muscles. Okay. So what happens if you don't lift weight that you're not used to? Oh, you might get sore, you might get a little tired, but you're not, not going to grow. Okay. Well, if you're not willing to put yourself in situations you're not comfortable with and, you know, increasing, decrease pressure and whatnot, how do you ever expect to grow? And I feel like mm-hmm. a big part of this too. And, you know, I've been reading, like I mentioned earlier, the confidence gap is the whole idea that we have to be confident before we can have, so we have to be confident before we can actually take action is totally false. The way we gain confidence is by putting ourselves mm-hmm. in some comfortable situations. 
So if we never, if we're never willing to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, you know, we're going to miss out a ton of opportunities and we're we're not going to grow. We have to be willing to to do more than we're used to. Yeah. It's like the, um, Ken Revis's book, um, what I was referring to earlier, Heads Up Baseball, he defines mental toughness as like giving a hundred percent of what you have in that moment right? Like feeling good. He always, he always says, and I'll never forget, like feeling good is overrated. Like it's not, especially in, in softball and baseball, you're never going to feel 100%. So it's giving a hundred percent of what you have in that moment and being present because we're just constantly failing in our sport. There's just always like, can be better, can be, be better. Can, you know, like, I mean, gosh, you fail seven out of 10 times, they say, right. That whole, yeah. that whole deal. If somebody hits you know, if somebody hits 300, they're really, they're, you know, a great hitter. So just, it's all about giving hundred percent of what you have in that moment, regardless of what just previously happened. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. And focusing on the now, like you said, mm-hmm. being present, you know, like in baseball, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of moving parts. You know, if you, let's say you totally whiff on a fastball down the middle. Okay. That sucks. But mm-hmm. you also know that through your preparation, uh, if you prep, prepare properly, that is, you probably shouldn't miss that again the next time. And it doesn't define you. That's mm-hmm. just something you did, not something you are. Or even if you miss that fastball down the middle, it's like, okay, step back out of the box. So what? Next pitch, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and that's what heads up, pace, heads up Baseball talks about. It's all about like playing the game one pitch at a time and mm-hmm. how present can you be each, each pitch regardless of what just happened, right? So you swing and a miss, you step out of the box, go through your routine, breath, and now you're back present. Gosh, so you swing and a miss again? But step out, mm. you got to get back present again, right? Mm. Like, so, yeah. cause it's not guaranteed by any means that you're going to swing and miss. And all of a sudden now you're just going to crush the next one. That's not how the game works. Yeah. It'd be really easy <laughs> you know? if that's how it like, worked. <laughs> I wish, I wish. Yeah. And I, I, I missed fastballs down the middle on purpose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. That's a, <laughs> no, for sure. And, and I, that also goes in the idea of, you know, having a, having a reset routine at the plate, you know, like you said, taking the moment to reflect. Yeah reset and you know ha- having a trigger um you know whether it be a visual cue maybe a yeah. physical cue you know clamp, uh, smack your hands together or um looking back at the pitcher i mean there's a million ways you can mm-hmm. do it but no i love that so so jen i must mm-hmm. ask you've seen be very productive throughout quarantine and covid and you know being a high level athlete you have to you have to stay productive so what are some tips you'd give to you know the listeners out there in terms of staying productive during these really uh, troublesome times? The biggest thing that has helped me is staying true to the mission that we have as a team. And um, I think once you, once you've identified something to stay true to that's bigger than you, it helps you, it's helps you stay with the process and stay true, true to the process. And then, you know, it's, it's about like challenging yourself. Like, so for me right now, it's like, how much can you continue to stay as disciplined and as mentally tough through all this chaos as much as possible? Mm-hmm. Right. So just challenging yourself to just continue to stay the course, continue to stay disciplined and stay tough and see the light at the end of the tunnel because 
life's going to somewhat get back to normal again at some point, right? So for me, what's helped keep me motivated is our team's mission, mm-hmm. right? The, the days that I allow all the outside factors to affect how I get up in the morning um, is the day that I'm going to seriously regret some things and be so upset at myself because of all the hard work that will have essentially diminished. And I'm speaking from like a strength and conditioning standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we work so hard with that, with our softball Canada team, our pride in fitness and strength and conditioning is world-class. And I will, I said to myself before this whole thing started that I'm not going to allow this virus to get in the way of the games that I personally have made. Um, throughout the course of the last three years, because the all the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into the daily the last three years have been like, whoa. So I refuse to allow something to affect that. Mm-hmm. So to, to answer your question is just, I would challenge everyone to just, you know, have a miss, mission each day. What are you trying to accomplish? When you get mm-hmm. up in the morning, what are, what are your goals? What do you want to do? How do you want to be productive, right? Um, I think that helps me totally stay on track. Mm-hmm. No, me too. One thing that I've been, I, I wrote an article on LinkedIn recently. And one of the piece of advice I gave for productivity was setting two to three small goals in the morning. Because for a lot mm-hmm. of us, we have way more time in our hands than we're used to. So it's really easy to mm-hmm. go through the motions and feel unproductive. So I think, okay, you know, mm-hmm. even if you don't necessarily get a ton done in a day, what are two or three things that you can get done? Because at the end of the day, when you can check sure. those off, it's going to feel really, really good. And then you just build off it going from there. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. For sure. So given what you're saying about having that mission, does that mission stem from the whole fear the leaf model? Um, yeah, I would say the, that's for sure. The, the foundation of our, our of our team, we developed that back in um, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've kind of just evolved it from there. Um, but you know, our, the mission is the Olympics, right? The Olympic journey. And, um, we've just talked a lot about like what it, what it takes to prepare like a, like an Olympian does. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, the mission is what keeps me 100% going. It keeps me on track. It keeps, you know, my routine, my structure, my discipline. because honestly, I don't, I'm somebody that leads by example. And I feel like that's part of my role in our team. And if I fall off, others are going to fall off. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it too is my responsibility. I, I feel like I have as a veteran and, and as a leader of our team is to, you know, continue to keep going, continue to keep going, continue to lead by example. And, uh, hope that other people, you know, continue to stay on that same path. Mm -hmm. It's really incredible to you that you've taken it upon yourself to not only try to set a great influence for yourself and keep yourself on track, but also taking on that leadership role, you know, knowing because you've been, you've been to Beijing, you've competed, you've been doing this for a long time. You have a lot of experiences and you're, and you're, you're no stranger to adversity. So being able to share those experiences with maybe uh, some of the younger group, you know, can Mm -hmm. really help them stay on track and keep them motivated. So good, good on for you sure. for being a good role model for your, for your group. 
<laughs> Thank you. No problem. I, I try. I try. Yeah, that's all we can do. So Jen, yeah. uh, that, that pretty much wraps it up for me today. I appreciate you answering all my questions. Are there maybe any takeaway take messages that you think that should really resonate with the listeners or you know, how they can maybe check you out on Instagram or Twitter? Um, yeah, I would say for sure, follow along on our uh, Softball Canada journey and my personal journey. Um, Softball Canada has an Instagram. I think it's softball.canada. And then my Instagram is Jen underscore Salling. Um, I love just posting about like what I'm passionate about. I'm also super passionate about, you know, fitness and health. So you'll see a lot of stuff on there. Um, just about like with our workouts and whatnot, what my daily looks like. But um, I would say to all those that are listening as much as you possibly can yearn for things to like be okay with things not going the way that they were planned Mm. and be okay with curveballs being thrown in your life because to me that is life and it's fun to see how um we respond as human beings and i think that's the the place that we grow the most because we got to seriously look within when we're challenged with certain things and um, just to challenge our inner strength and challenge our mental toughness, challenge our resilience. And um, again, those are the places that we grow. Life isn't fun when it's just easy road Um, and uh, just embrace challenges and embrace being uncomfortable because that's where, uh, that's where we flourish. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again. I will put uh, your, your ads in the description as well as the Softball Canada ads so everyone can check it out. Um, and you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you for having me, Taylor. No problem. Thank you. So that wraps it up for episode 28 of the Mental Dive Podcast. Please, please, please do check out my social media accounts. If you have not already, shoot me a follow, shoot me a message if you'd like to connect. Twitter, Instagram, at Taylor Staden, Facebook, Staden Mental Performance. Like I've mentioned before, I'm releasing two podcasts a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Stay tuned. I got some great episodes for y'all coming soon. Anyways, for the time being, have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you in the next one. Have a good one, everybody.